Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Live. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome. All right. We will spend a lot of time this afternoon dealing with weather-related issues. Um, we will continue to bring you traffic updates. As Mike was just telling you, um, it's very, very dicey out on the roads right now. And it looks like over the course of the next several hours, we're going to be dealing with the worst of the snow. It's going to be worse to the south than it is to the north. But it is a mess all over. Now, the good news is that once we get past, I don't know, 9 o'clock this evening or so, it's this is designed to kind of, it's going to clear out. And if you look at the temperature, supposed to be in the 40s by Saturday and Sunday. That doesn't help us this afternoon. I understand all that. But it's not like this is one of these big snowstorms that comes in early January. And then you get the 20 degree below zero and it, it's frozen and it's with us for, uh, again, for, for weeks and weeks. So this this will pass. But there's no question the roads are very, very slippery. And if you are out and about on the roads all afternoon, you're going to need to be extremely, extremely careful. And we'll do a couple weather-related topics as the program moves on, and we will continue to give you updates. So if you're out and about, please be careful. I confess, I do not know what the Brewers are doing. Now, I, I am... I, I am a huge baseball fan to begin with. I'm a huge Milwaukee Brewers fan. I, I always have to give the disclaimer. Obviously, I, I work for the radio station that is the flagship for the, the Brewers. On top of that, I have a 20-game season ticket pack that I pay for out of my own pocket. Um, and, and I enjoy going to the games. And I'm one of those guys that during the summer, I will, I, I sit, I'll sit, I'll listen to the games on the radio sometimes. I'll, I'll score along. So I'm a huge baseball fan. And I confess, I, I do not understand what the Brewers are doing right now with that background. They didn't, they didn't make the playoffs last year. They made the boneheaded decision that, in my opinion, was based entirely on trying to save money of dumping Josh Hader. And I think even the Brewers acknowledged that that was a, a staggeringly dumb decision. And so they could have had one more year um, of control of arguably the best closer in Major League Baseball, um, but they didn't want to pay him the money. So they, they've dumped him in the free agent market this uh, winter. They, they didn't. Offseason, they didn't make a huge splash. Um, they they brought in a couple players, but I don't think that there's anybody that you go, oh my gosh, this is like a guy that's going to turn around the team. And they actually, and what I think again was a salary dump, some of the players that they had brought in, they made the decision to either dump or not resign. Hunter Renfro, um, uh, Colton Wong, etc. And I, I mean, time will tell whether how disastrous those decisions were. But you have a, a Brewers team that certainly doesn't seem to be opening up their checkbook in an effort to improve the team. Now, again, they've got some good young players that you have to make room for, so maybe there's maybe there's a plan behind this. But I bring this up because a couple of the big assets the Brewers have is arguably the best one-two starting pitchers in Major League Baseball, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Both of those players are under, well, they the Brewers have control of them through one season after this one, so for two more years. But I think a lot of us were hoping that if the Brewers were going to dump money on, by saving, dump money on the hater deal and, and get rid of Colton Wong and get rid of Hunter Renfro, <clears throat> what they would be doing 
is taking a bunch of that money and really making a concerted effort to re-sign Burns and or Woodruff and or their shortstop, Willie Adamas, to, to a long-term deal. And even if they can't keep all three, the hope is they would be able to keep two. Well, okay, so far, no movement on any long-term deals with any of those players. And the news was Colt, um, Corbin Burns, who won the Cy Young Award a couple years ago, um, he they, they had this arbitration deal, and I know this sounds like crazy money, but the Brewers offered him $10 million, and he wanted $10.75 million. The difference was really the, the minimum that, – that difference, and I understand that this this sounds crazy, but that difference, three-quarters of a million dollars, that, that's essentially just a little bit more than the, the minimum salary that you have to have for, for a player. So rather than being able to get a deal, they went to arbitration. The Brewers won. One, which means Burns lost, so he's going to have to play this year for a mere $10 million. No sympathy with that, but this is the type of thing that causes bad feelings. And by fighting this, I think it's really clear that the Brewers have made it, they're going to make it very, very difficult to re-sign Corbin Burns to a long-term deal. So this, to me, is one of these categories of maybe penny-wise and pound-foolish. Now, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope by the time spring training rolls around or before it ends, they announce that they've been able to lock up a couple of these players to <clears throat> long-term deals. Corbin Burns is only 28 years old. You, you think that, that he'd be an ideal candidate for that, but you wonder how he feels about the Brewers after being, I don't know that it's phrased to say nickel and dime. They're going to pay him $28 million, or $10 million, but at the same time, you know, for $750,000, maybe they could have bought some goodwill. I don't understand exactly what they are doing. Okay, I want to share a, a text, an email actually, that I received. Yesterday, we were talking about the announcement that Hyundai and Kia had made that they've worked out a fix uh, to to hopefully stop the car theft things. What, what's been going on is the reason that, that the Kias and Hyundais of a certain vintage, 2015 through 2019, have been stolen is the fact that those that have the, the key in the ignition where you turn it, they don't have engine immobilizers. What that means is for those of us who have push-button starts, as a general rule, if you don't have the key fob with you, the car is not going to start. So it makes your car not impossible to steal, but more difficult to steal. But these Kias and Hyundais don't have that, and so they are targets. So what they announced yesterday is they're going to be rolling out this software fix, and what the software fix would do is it would, uh, again, it would require you to have the key fob to start the car, which makes them more difficult to steal. And we were talking about that, and I, I had a listener who called in. I want to I want to share with you, the email I received. Now, um, well, here it is in its entirety. Jeff, I called your show yesterday about the fact that I supported Hyundai supplying a fix for their car theft problem. I also said I use a club for further security. In the later afternoon segment of the show, the news staff discussed the ineffectiveness of the club because it can be sawed through. Ironically, Last night, my car was stolen out of a parking lot while we were at the Marquette Xavier game. Police told us that there had been at least 25 thefts that night. I had the club on my car. And then she goes on to talk about 
This has to stop. The same people are doing it over and over. No consequences per the police. How can we make an impact with tougher laws? How can we make this stop? A relative of mine who's of different political persuasion says it's not possible for that many juveniles to steal cars in one evening unless instead it's an organized crime ring that may involve the police. I'm now rolling my eyes. Is it a group of juveniles? Is it something else? The public needs facts and statistics about what is happening. We need to get tough on crime. We have to have, or our city will disintegrate like others have. No one will come downtown. We can't because we can't park safely anywhere. They are taking cars out of the structure, too. Just check the stats on the Marquette campus's parking structure on Wells Street. And then she signs it. But here's <clears throat> here's you know one of our listeners who you know weighed in yesterday. Oh, well, I've got one of these cars, but I've got the club. And... Yesterday, at least according to her, her car is one of at least a couple dozen that were stolen off of one of the lots while she's here to watch, you know, the the basketball game between Marquette and Xavier. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. I understand that authorities don't want to talk about this. And I understand that the, the, the general message is, oh, it, it's the fault of the car manufacturers or things like that. But I, I'm sorry, this cannot be allowed to toler- be tolerated. Now, I, I don't know if she's right and there actually were 25 cars stolen. That's what she says the police told her. But her car was stolen. A number of the other cars were stolen while people are down here attending a basketball game. And she said she didn't even leave it on the street. She left it in a parking lot. Unless you can get a handle on car theft, am I wrong to say that people are just going to stop driving into Milwaukee? People aren't going to go to the restaurants. People aren't going to go to the theater. People aren't going to go to the arts performances. People aren't going to go to the ball games. If you're in a position where every time you leave your car, there is a decent chance when you come out, that car is going to be gone. And we also know that almost nothing will happen to the people who stole the car. My guess is this lady's car is going to be, they're going to find it. It's going to be totaled somewhere in the next day or so because people have stolen it, taken it on a joyride, racked it into a telephone pole, and then um, <clears throat> just dropped it. 855-616-1620. When is enough enough? Yeah, and we will keep you updated on what's going on the roadways. It, it's it's an absolute mess, and um, this this collision, um, the the road the closure on, on 94 around Seven Mile Road. That that's just a mess. I'm looking at the traffic cameras. There's cars that are um, just scattered all over. There's ambulances or fire trucks that appear to be on the scene. Um, there's at least one semi truck that looks like it's in the ditch blocking the roads. It's it it's just a flat out mess. So this is one where if you first of all you got to avoid those areas and secondly um it's one of those where you know if you're driving be really really careful cuz this is this is the real deal when it comes to snow all right i, I just shared with you uh, an email i got from one of our listeners who had actually even called the show yesterday talking about how thrilled she was that she was going to be able to get the software update to protect her car and lo and behold she drives to the ball game last night the Marquette Xavier game parks the car in a lot and it's gone you know, it's just, it comes out, it, it's gone. The cops tell her 25 cars or so were stolen last night. You know you're never going to catch any of those car thieves. And, and the effect is, unless we get a handle on this, people are just not going to drive to the city anymore. Greg in Greenfield. Greg, you're on WTMJ. 
Hi, Jeff. I got to say, um, it's a combination of several issues that are currently going on. Uh, first off, it is the the police who aren't really stepping up. Uh, I also blame the weak judges in Milwaukee. Um, they have to made an example of the Kia boys or anyone who's targeting uh, those car manufacturers and put an end to it. Um, yep. And on top of that, you have to be smart. Um, I, there are certain places where I refuse to park in Milwaukee, um, even though I don't have, like, a Kia or a Hyundai, I have a newer car that I park in a secure lot that has cameras and things like that. I also have a dash cam, too, and I have an app where I can track where my car's at. Um, yeah. Because I really don't trust the system, um, and I don't want to worry about trying to pay for a new car. Um, but, yeah. We as a community have to step up and try to force these, you know, juvenile thugs out. Yeah, exactly. No, th- thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. And I, <clears throat> look, and I know I sound like a broken record on this. I, I, I get it. But when I, when I get, when I get emails like this, I'm thinking or, or texts or whatever from these people who are the the actual victims. You, you go. You say, okay, I want a nice night out, and I'm going to buy the tickets to the game. I'm going to patronize stuff, whatever. You come down there, and you come back, and you've been victimized. And unfortunately, for too long, there's, I think, this this attitude that, okay, like car theft isn't a big deal. Okay, because a lot of times people have insurance, so what difference does it make if 25 cars get stolen without recognizing that it is a big deal? First of all, it affects your insurance rates. Secondly, it's a huge hassle to try to replace your vehicle. Third, it's just the fact that you have been violated by having your things taken. And fourth, it's the reality that people have a lot of choices in their life. Nothing says that you have to go to a particular restaurant or go to a particular show. There's all sorts of different choices. Hey, this is great. I, I want to go see, you know, Mark. It was a great game. I, I watched the game. It was just a tremendous game. But, you know, you think these people are going to go back there? You think the 25 people who um, parked in the area of Fiserv last night, if that's actu- accurate, and, and had their cars stolen, you, you think they're going to go back? to either see the Bucks game or see an event downtown anytime soon, my guess would be I, I wouldn't hold your breath. And it's because of this that we have a situation where what's going on is we have to get control of it. Now, somebody's texting me saying, well, you can't live your life in fear. No, you know, can't live your life in fear, but you have all sorts of different choices. That That is the point. Nobody says that, gee, I have to go to a restaurant downtown, even though I like this particular restaurant downtown. It's like, hey, maybe I'll go to a restaurant. If I live in the North Shore or I live in, in Waukesha, I'll go to one that's, you know, out in that area. I'll have a really, really good meal, but I'm not going to have to worry about my car getting boosted out of a parking lot. That's where authorities need to wake up. And, and yeah, I think there's a lot of things that goes on. I don't fault the police. The police are absolutely overwhelmed. I, I do fault the criminal justice system where we have a district attorney who refuses to waive juvenile car thieves into adult court, no matter how many cars you steal, unless and until you lead the cops on a high-speed chase and kill somebody. By that time, it is too late. So until we get serious about saying this is a big deal, you're still going to have it happen. And don't tell me, well, you know, the car thefts, you know, two years ago there were 10,000, and last year there were only 8,500, so we're making progress. Nuts to that. 
That's just crazy talk. We shouldn't have anywhere near those many car thefts. And if we got the car thieves off the street, we'd come closer to that. I'm Jeff Wagner. It is a mess on the roadways. Let's take a break from regular programming and do something that we do from time to time. If you can do this safely. And only if you can do it safely and you have you are out and about or you have just gotten wherever you're going from being out and about, what what are road conditions like? 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. We're trying to advise people where to avoid right at the moment. Um, how bad is it out there? If you've arrived, we'd love to hear from you. If you can call safely, we'd love to hear from you, but only if you can call safely. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Back to discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. Look, I, I don't – we understand if you live in Wisconsin, you, you deal with – winter storms from time to time this has been a relatively mild winter but like i say you knew you were going to get whomped i'm looking at some of the traffic cameras and uh this is it's a mess there's no question if you are out and about or have just gotten where you're going how have the road conditions been like only call if you can do it safely janelle downtown janelle you're on wtmj hi um i just got actually i'm by the airport now so um but I just drove from Germantown all the way to the airport, so I've seen pretty much every major highway in that distance. Um, and it's objectively pretty bad the further south you get and the further right. east you get. I would say it gets about 25% worse every five miles. So right now I'm on, like, East Layton, and it's pretty much a whiteout. There's a several inches of snow on, on every road. Um, so it's it's pretty yeah. It's pretty bad. It's not the worst I've seen, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> Janelle, th- thanks for the call. I'm going to let you go, so, so pay attention. I appreciate you calling us. I knew you were calling us hands-free. Yeah, it, it's it's not just the, the heavy snowfall that's coming in. It, it's it's coming in, I guess, it, it's not just heavy snowfall, but it's coming down really fast. And then, like you were talking about, the, the white-out conditions, when you get the snow that gets blown around. I've told this story before. only time in my life I ever put a car in a ditch was in the middle of one of these white-outs, and I I just couldn't see anything, and I'm I'm on an interstate highway, and I'm following the uh, I'm following a truck, figuring the truck, you know, can has better visibility than I do. I was driving a sedan at the time, just a number of years ago, and the truck drives into the ditch, and I just follow the truck into the ditch, and you go, wow. But that that's why you have to be just extra special, careful. Jeff, I'm an Uber Eats driver currently driving on 27th Street in Milwaukee. Traffic is moving extremely slowly on city streets. I have only seen one small accident thus far. Well, that's I mean that that's that's great. I think unfortunately, as the snow picks up during the course of the afternoon like they expect it's going to I, I think you know the problem of course is going to be that it's going to get worse john from kenosha john you're on wtmj hey jeff um okay. i'm i'm hands-free i'm just passing it now and i see what it was i i just left kenosha northbound ozaki county and i always google gps my route for some reason it was taking me off I forget what exit and put me on the frontage road and I trusted it. And now I see why there's got to be, gosh, seven, eight semi trailer trucks all knotted up with, you know, tiny cars, completely all lanes shut down northbound, uh, from Kenosha up, you know, going towards Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, they're letting you. They're letting us back on now at Seven Mile Road. The accident is just south of Exit Three Twenty Six at Seven Mile Road, but it is gummed up beyond belief. And um, before that, too, there was a car in the wall on the right side of the road where there was one sheriff tending to that already. So, yeah, uh, down here it's it's pretty bad. Um, are the roads snow covered now as well? Like the frontage road you're on. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're yeah. It's snow covered. You know, you see the tread marks from the wheels. It's slushy. Yeah. slushy. Got it. Yeah, it icky. <laughs> right. Thanks to call, John. I appreciate it. And that's and again, this is. I, look, I, I don't. Uh, winter weather comes, and I and I understand that. And I'm not one of these guys who's a winter weather alarmist. That's just not how I, I roll. But it's very very clear from the things that I'm looking at is this is. This is a day where there's just major problems out there. I'm looking at all these different cars that are spinning out and things like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at one of the things, a semi that's um, just um, off to the side of the road, blocking part of the lane. And, I, I mean, it just looks like it's going to be – they're going to be dealing with this for a while. Peter calling us from River West. Uh, Peter, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, I actually made it back to work. I work in West Dallas. Uh, roads and that are slippery. People are going slow, but I'm warning everybody, please stay home. Don't go to the mall. Don't do anything crazy. Um, I've seen plenty of accidents on Greenfield Avenue, uh, the freeway. One car tried to slide by everybody, and it yeah. went in right into the wall. I mean, 108 miles should have taken me two hours. It actually took me almost four. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So you just got back to work now, huh? Yep, and I'm going to see if it's okay for me to get my crazy butt on the bus and take the bus <laughs> all the way from West Dallas all the way to wherever West. I don't yeah. want to drive no more right now. Yeah, Peter, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And that's, you know, and that's, again, that's the issue. And I, there, this is why we do this on this program from time to time, because I, I think, you know, we, we give you the traffic reports and stuff, but I, I love to get reports from the field is what you are actually seeing. Again, I always caution you, um, don't don't text me, don't call me, unless you can do it safely. That's the, the key thing. Rebecca, who is calling us from uh, I-43 in Cedarburg. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Jeff. Um, so they have shut the interstate down. 43 is closed, and they're deterring traffic onto Highway C in Cedarburg. I got on in Mequon at 167 at 10 minutes to 12, and I just pulled onto the ramp now. So it take me just shy of an hour to get from from 167 to C. Right, um, which is which is one exit. That's, so that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah, essentially you're going now. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. um, You're talking Mequon Road to get to. Yeah. They've got the new Highland thing. But right. Mequon Road to the the Cedarburg exit. And it took you the better part of an hour just to get there. And then now they're dumping you off. Right. Right. So the interstate is totally shut down. And there was two accidents. So there's one accident just north of C before 60. But there was another accident that I passed where a, a plow truck, like a local guy, hit another vehicle and they're blocking and the barricades are there so there's no shoulder either um for emergency vehicles because the construction is on 43 so two lanes backed up but yeah so you're stuck it's going to be a while i would deter everyone from getting on 43 because they've got a couple hours for sure 
Yeah. Well, well, okay. We're well. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're at least safe so far and kind of continue yeah. to make your way yeah. north. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Rebecca. And again, can you imagine that? Because I mean, I that that's kind of the area where I live, and so I can imagine. You know, I mean, again, it's right. They've just opened a new freeway exit, but it's you know Mequon Road to the the Cedarburg exit. That's I don't know. That's four miles maybe or something like that, and it takes her the better part of an hour to do that. Yeah, that's one of these things of just alternate routes i mean that's one where if you're going north port washington road or or one of the other choices because there's just flat out nowhere to go let's take a break we're going to be back with more calls we do this on days like today it's an electronic town hall how bad are the roads what are you seeing only call or only send a text if you can do it safely my sense is that the closer you get to the lake, the, the worse it gets. Here, Jeff, I'm texting you using hands-free Siri. I just drove from Good Hope Road down to Ryan Road southbound, and I didn't see any accidents. The roads are slippery. It's a little slower. However, I haven't seen a single accident yet. I'm heading towards the northbound accident, and I'll text you shortly. Here's an update. I reached Ryan Road. The freeway is at a standstill. Um, I am exiting Ryan Road to pick up my client. I'm a professional chauffeur. Looks like I'll be heading to Chicago on the frontage roads for a while. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see, Jeff. I ran up to Good Hope on 41 for a pickup in the expressway. The expressway is just fine. It's wet. Now, that's that's 41 on, on the west side of, of town. Um, it's just wet on the way from Good Hope Road to the zoo. Matt in Heartland. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Matt, okay, lost Matt. Uh, this is, let's see, uh, uh, Steve from Exonia. There's a bad accident heading west on 94, right past the Sullivan exit. People need to be careful. Jeff, um, I'm on King Drive, south of Locust. The road is wet, um, very light snow, traffic is flying. Well, that's the... That's the problem with people who, you know, traffic flies, and there you go. Jeff, uh, let's see, I work in Franksville. Side roads are very bad. It took me about an hour to get home when it takes me about a half hour at most. Um, A number of people, and this happens all these times, are calling in, and they're saying, please remind everybody to turn on their headlights. Um, Yeah, that's... That's one of these factors. I mean, obviously, you you want to have people be able to see you. Uh, Mike in Franklin. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. I just got through that mess out there, and there's about six or seven semis all over the road. There's one that's facing eastbound. They're getting everybody off at Jeep, but, you know, the sad part is it's I'm doing 30 miles an hour now on 27th Street getting off at uh, Jeep. And people going southbound are still driving like it's the middle of summer. They're they're nuts out here right now. Slow down, people, and turn your headlights yeah, you on. Know, yeah, th- thanks for the call, Mike, and I, I'm glad you got through it. And, and again, and I'm I, I'm looking at, at some of the live traffic camera feeds, and it, it is I am watching you know traffic move by. There's like I, I'm I'm looking exactly at what he was just talking about, and on the other side of the road, I mean, there are people that are just kind of blasting around, and at least the, the the roads look to me like they are slushy and slippery, and you've got visibility things. And I guess I I don't know if if I'm out there driving and I 
I am hearing these reports, and I'm hearing that the freeway is closed, and I'm seeing that all these cars are on the frontage road, and I know that there's freeways that are just uh, the trucks that are off on the side of the roads and things like that. I guess my general reaction would be, you know, I think I'm going to take it a little bit easier because I don't want to be, you know, the next guy that's going to be in there. So the bottom line of all this is uh, this is – I mean, hopefully the event will be short-lived, but there's no question it's a huge problem right now. Jeff, I'm just entering Waukegan, Illinois. It's not bad down here. Yeah, I I think it it just really does kind of depend, at least at the moment, on on where you are. Although if you listen to the weather forecasters, we're we're going to be in this for the course of the next several hours, and I I think the snow will ultimately be be spreading all over the area. It's worse in the southern part of our listening area, and it's definitely worse and closer to the lake. So um, we'll continue to keep you updated all afternoon on this. But, I mean, right now, the, the Everybody's got to be careful. The trouble spots are freeway closed um, in I-43 closed uh, as you get to Cedarburg. So don't don't even bother trying to go north on I-43. It's going to be a couple hours, I think, is what we're hearing. And you've got the other problems as well. If you're out and about, turn on your lights and please, please, please be careful. Yeah, the, the there's problems all over this this freeway closure on I-43 at at, at um, Highway C, which is the Cedarburg exit, th- this is the real deal. Um, Jeff, driving from Milwaukee to Grafton, headed north on Port Washington Road is easier, probably faster than taking the freeway at this point. Hope everybody is say- staying safe. Um, and then one of our listeners says, Jeff, I'm I'm listening to the Ozaki County scatter- scanner apparatus, which I assume is like a fire truck or, I don't know, ambulance, trying to get to patients. But there's about 100 cars between them and the victims. The vehicle is trying to go southbound in the northbound lanes, but there are drivers driving around the apparatus, and I assume that means like a fire truck or an ambulance, to get on, stay off the freeway. The barriers from construction is making getting around um, anyone almost impossible, let alone getting the t- uh, tow trucks in. Um, so, that yeah, that's – if you think about this, there, there's – that, that I-43 stretch, like from Bayshore North, is is part of this ongoing multi-year road construction project. And you, you've got uh, shoulders that have di- like disappeared, and that, that's just part of the building thing. So there's really kind of nowhere to go. And I'm having trouble actually visualizing what the construction might be like there. But you've apparently got a major accident. You've got nowhere to go. We had the caller a little while ago saying that she got on at Mequon Road, and it's about four miles up to Cedarburg Road. It took her, it took her uh, an hour just to go those four miles and then to get diverted off at the Cedarburg exit. So the, the bottom line is um, it's, it's just a flat-out mess out there right now. So please... Um, be careful. Jeff, this is Mark from Racine. Um, new texter. Love your show. Thank you, Mark. Snow is blowing nearly straight sideways and currently moderate intensity near the Regency Mall. Traffic is thin and roads are slick, even with four-wheel drive truck. Only about an inch of snow at the noon hour, but plenty of drifting. Sounds like more snow to the north instead of south. Hope I wrote down the correct number. Yes, we got it. Thank you for participating. Bottom line is we'll continue to keep you updated all afternoon, but we can only tell you what's going on out there. It's your
your responsibility to, if this really is one, if you can get to where you're going safely and stay there, I think it's going to be the smart move, um, at least for the time being. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, we will continue to keep you updated with multiple traffic reports. Uh, the, the bottom line is it's a mess out there. So uh, but if you got to go somewhere, if you have to go somewhere, uh, you, you want to probably plan ahead, and we'll continue to keep you posted because there's just some areas that, like I say, if you're used to, hey, I want to go up to Sockville today, and I normally get on the freeway at Good Hope Road and 43. Well, that, that's just not going to work right now. That's just kind of the bottom line of this, and there's other examples of that as well, and we'll continue to keep you posted. But I think, and, and I always, I understand, it, it is it is winter, we are hardy, Wisconsinites are hardy. We, we know these types of things, but we're in the height of, of a big-time snowstorm right now. And at least for the next several hours, the weather report suggests that it's going to get worse, not better. So if you don't have to be out, it's just solid advice to not be out. And I, I understand. I, I've See, I've modified my opinion over the 25 years I've been doing the show. You know, the... In this, the schools made the decision yesterday to, to close. Lots and lots of school districts closed. And, of course, earlier this morning, it, it was fine. You know, I was watching uh, one of the TV news stations today, and they, they were clearly geared up for snow. But when they were on at 7 and 8 o'clock in the morning, there, there wasn't any snow happening. You know, and it was like, okay, well, it's going to it's going to happen. And, you know, arguably, you could have gotten kids to class. But the bottom line is uh, lots of snow days have been accumulated. We haven't had to use them this year. The forecast is turning out to be, you know, uh, just dead on accurate. And I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense that to, to cancel school under under circumstances like this. And I, I understand that sometimes when they make the decision to cancel school and it turns out to be a bust forecast. Well, in this case, it was, I think, clearly in retrospect, the absolute right decision to make. OK, I want to revisit with something we talked about during the, the 12 o'clock hour of yesterday's show, and you've perhaps seen this, um, our, our Vince Vitrano from Wisconsin's Morning News actually kind of broke this story. He shared a, a video that was taken of a fight that occurred Tuesday at Wauwatosa East High School. Happened about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and if you look at, if you look at, at, at the video, what happens is that you see a, a bunch of people just flat out wailing on each other. I mean, the, the, it it looks like the example I was giving yesterday. If you ever watched the old HBO show uh, that was set in a woman's prison, Orange is the New Black, that's what it looked like. I mean, you had people that were wailing on each other, students, and apparently one of of the parents that was there as well. I mean, and this was a fight that apparently broke out. Um, it was... Four o'clock in the afternoon, so people were wondering, you know, why was there a parent on the school grounds? Well, apparently there was a, an after-school basketball game or something that was about ready to to kick off. One student was restrained by Wauwatosa police for refusing to follow instructions. Um, a student's parent then shoved the school administrator. You had five students who have now been cited um, after this argument that occurs. And I mean, it's it's. 
I mean, it's it's really very violent. And if you follow me on Twitter, I've got a link to it. We still have a link to the video up at 620WTMJ.com. Students were cited for battery. Additional citations may be issued as the incident is still under investigation. Uh, the parent has not at this point been cited. If you watch what's going on, the, the parent who... The, the parent is the sort of the, one of the sh- one of the shorter women that's getting like wailed on by the kids. Um, all students involved will face discipline in accordance with the district's disciplinary framework. The principal said the framework spells out levels of punishment for discipline violations such as fighting. It covers six levels, with level one being the lightest punishment, a conference call, and level six being the most severe punishment, a recommendation of an expulsion hearing with the school board. The disciplinary framework, according to the Journal Sentinel, aims to cultivate a welcoming, diverse, inclusive, and accessible school cultures for all students and families. Let me share that again. The disciplinary framework aims to cultivate a, quote, welcoming, diverse, inclusive, and accessible school cultures for all students and families. All right. Now, last fall, Wauwatosa West had a whole series of problems and and fights where um, the police had to be called, right? The fight yesterday or Tuesday at um, Tosa East, we we had a lot of feedback from people who are familiar with the system, and what they were saying is that this is not, what happened the other night is not an isolated instant, that this, this happens with more frequency than people want to believe, but there is pressure institutionally not to report the fights because you don't want to give the impression that, um, okay, it's the school is having problems with violence. In addition, the school is very, very reluctant to move to expel people. And one of the ways that you avoid having to expel people is if the teacher, if the Teachers and administrators are essentially told, hey, take a hands-off approach on, on this because, you know, once, you know, once we start that process, again, it, it generates numbers and people can look at this and we don't want to be accused of expelling too many kids or whatever. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. I, I almost laugh when I see this this framework for disciplinary violations. You look at that video and you see the way that some of those people in that fight are behaving. And it seems to me that there is only one thing that can happen. And that is that every one of those kids who is involved in that fight, that brawl, that assault, every single one of them should be expelled. And this idea that well we we want to you know we want to have these these different levels of stuff and we're going to look at it through the disciplinary thing I, I can short circuit that if every one of those kids isn't expelled you've got a huge huge problem if that happened on a city street people would have been in handcuffs they would have been prosecuted well I, okay this is Milwaukee County and it's John Chisholm so you don't know what he's going to do but in a normal rational world the people would have been prosecuted and they would be in jail there is no reason at all that the people involved in that brawl last night or yesterday or Tuesday afternoon at Tosa East not one of those kids should ever be allowed back in that school again 
Am I missing something? 855-616-1620. We discuss. 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. Okay, so we anybody that's wanted to has the opportunity to watch this video of this, this brawl at, at Tosa East. I am told that while this was perhaps a little bit more extreme, it is not an atypical sort of thing. And there is a conscious effort on the part of school administrators to try to downplay the violence that goes on on a daily basis. But anyhow, you... I, let, let's put that aside for a minute. You look at this video. You got kids that are apparently wailing on a, a parent. I mean, it's it's really it looks like a fight in a woman's prison. That is the best example I can give. And the the, the aftermath of this should be really clear that the principal and the school superintendent who uh, has his name is Demond, Dr. Demond Means, who um, I think one of the best days in Ozaki County was when he ended up, you know, leaving Homestead. And I'm not sure it was good for Tosa East, but for the Wauwatosa school system. But but, you know, their, their response is, well, we've got a framework for different levels of punishment. And, you know, everybody's going to face some discipline and it'll be these different levels that it's word salad, which means absolutely nothing. Every one of those kids that was involved in that fight needs to be tossed out of school. And you need to send a message to other kids that, hey, if you're going to engage in this sort of behavior, yeah, you're going to, number one, you're going to be tossed out of school. Secondly, I've got no problems with issuing criminal charges at all, because if you did that on the streets of most communities in this country, maybe not Milwaukee, but in most communities, you'd find yourself in handcuffs. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I'm a school resource officer in a Milwaukee suburb. My school would have been would have booted them out. Jeff, I was an MPS student, and this sort of thing happened often. Fights left and right, and they were all back the next week. It was a vicious cycle, never-ending. I can understand a second chance. I'm of the opinion that most of the people deserve one, but three, four, five times expulsion is the only answer um let's see jeff incentive is a big buzzword but how can punishment be inclusive when some people aren't even part of the fight um yes you should be included in the punishment just for having the audacity to speak out about this um what's the argument the girls fought too hard I didn't see any weapon. A fight never. A fight equals never permanent expunction. Why should they be in school ever again? Give me a break. Well, right, that's somebody who says it's no big deal. I didn't pull a weapon. So there was a beatdown of somebody. So they were jumping on them and kicking them. So uh, what? I mean, they didn't pull a weapon. How, how dare can we even think of expelling these little darlings just because they were beating the you-know-what out of someone? That... That is the attitude that creates so much trouble. Jeff, if Tosa does not get a handle on violent fights, including expelling students, they will send their proud high schools into a death spiral. Parents aren't stupid and are already talking together about transferring kids out or not enrolling them. Um, My son is a proud Rufus Crane graduate, 2004. I love that school. I am sad to see parents living that. Um, Jeff, I graduated from Tosi East in 1978. I found the video appalling. How about the kid videoing it? My kid would have tried to stop these people from beating the you-know-what out of each other as opposed to... um, 
filming the situation. It makes me sick. I'm with you. Expulsion um, for all involved. Um, let's talk to Todd in Wauwatosa. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, Hi, Todd. Yeah, this this is... <laughs> I, I've only had children in the district probably, I think, about four years when my oldest started, but um, something that I noticed probably fairly early on and continues is the school board and then, of course, following their lead, the rest of the district um, has basically put... You know their mantra of of inclusion, diversity um, uh, above everything. Um, it trumps safety, as you can see here, um, and and of course that means it trumps academics because you can't you can't have uh, schools performing academically when when the kids are there worried that they're going to get pounded when they leave the classroom. Um, yes, it's it's. it's it's something that I've seen just in the in the short time I've been here, and it's it's. Compound, you've spoken about, you know, their 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 framework for discipline. Um, like everything else, this current board has done. It's it seems like it's built to obscure what what they're really doing in the background. I mean, they've 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 cut down on public um, speaking during the meetings. They've it's just they seem to be trying to cover up what their their real aspirations are for this district and and like i said it all comes down from their equity and inclusion um and so well, if anybody out there is listening <laughs> gets no. to vote in the next election the three dads the easiest way to remember who to vote for it's the men on the ballot because the three women that are running this this time around um are going to be more of the same they're they're very leftist and they've made that very clear and 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 they will they will continue down this path of of equity and inclusion trumps literally everything. Yep. Thanks for the call, Todd. I, I appreciate it. And that's look and, and look and I, I understand that that there's this whole I mean Wauwatosa, the the school system, there there's huge battles going on about the the curriculum and wokeness and things like that. To me to me, violence transcends that. I mean, it, and it, it does. You, you can have legitimate disputes about, okay, you know, should what, what should be included in the curriculum, and is this book appropriate, is that book appropriate? I, I get it. That, that's, that is a debate that you can have. But when it comes to violence, this is something that we should all be able to agree on. If you have people that are part of the these beatdowns, and I guess, you know, it, it's – I mean, I'm sorry. It's 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 got to be zero tolerance. It, it's it's in my opinion, it's one strike and you're out. If you have people who are doing things that would have resulted in them on the streets being put in handcuffs and prosecuted, how can you just say, okay, well, we're going to suspend you for three days and then we're going to put you back in the same environment and invite you to do it again? And to the point that Todd was making, that I'm very sympathetic to, for the kids that want to learn. You know, how, how do you send kids to a school on a daily basis when you never know when one of these brawls is going to break out? And my guess is if the administrators were less worried about, gee, we might go through a year where we get these numbers where we're suspending a lot of people and, and maybe it's th- too many of this type of person or that type of person, I, I think in general, big picture, if you could have a safer school system, I think you would find enrollment maybe starting to increase again. Now, look, I, I understand. I have no problem if you want to talk about, you know, let, let's, 
let's have conflict resolution classes and let's let's try to teach the kids that it's not acceptable to behave. And one of our texters was saying, I was using the example of it looked like a riot in a woman's prison. You say, hey, that's an insult to the to the people who riot in women's prison. If if you if you want to argue, Jeff, you know, what we need to do is we need to worry about, we need to have these classes or we need to teach people that this is not an acceptable response. Okay, I'm, I'm all in favor of that. But once it happens, at that point in time, forget this. Well, we've got these discipl- different disciplinary procedures and things like that. Forget all that. The answer is you're gone. It's one strike and you're out. So, very glad to have you with us. All right. I, you know, it's. I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about uh, Tony Evers' budget proposal because it's just, it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, I, I sent out at least some of my thoughts. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. He, he's talking about a 19% increase in government spending. Okay, at a time where most people who are serious are talking about, like, reigning in government spending, he wants a 19% increase in government spending. He, he, he's, he's, we've got this $7 billion surplus. He's, he's going to blow that. You know, we're going to be running a deficit if you would do what he wants to do in the space of two years. I mean, I would describe his budget as being spending like a drunken sailor, but honest to God, that that is an insult to drunken sailors. So he's talking about a 19% increase in government spending. He's talking about hiring 800 new state employees, no tax relief for the people who pay the bulk of the taxes. He's talking about throwing more money at schools with no additional accountability. And yeah, one of, one of the te- people responded to my text said, well, oh, I'm just shaking my head. How can you say he's throwing more money at schools? He is. That's what he is talking about doing, no accountability at all. And you know, the, the problem is that there's really nothing that suggests that there is any sort of direct correlation between the money we spend per pupil and um, the, the academic success. Look at what goes on in MPS. So simply saying, okay, we're going to increase per pupil spending $1,000 over the next two years, massive spending. Oh, we're making this huge investment in the schools. Well, nothing's coming out of it. You know, if you do that without providing any sort of accountability, you're not going to um, accomplish anything. Tony Evers, he wants to give illegal aliens driver's licenses. Can you imagine that? Illegal aliens, driver's licenses, and he's saying, well, I think that's going to stop reckless driving. What? I mean, there's just no connection with reality at all. So, you know, maybe over the course of the next couple of days, we'll talk about some of those. But essentially, this this budget was just dead on arrival. And, you know, some of the images, if you follow Twitter, remember Nancy Pelosi just standing behind Donald Trump and arrogantly just tearing up his speech a couple of years ago? That's... I, I, I think Robin Voss would have too much class to do that, um, but that is effectively what's going to happen. This budget's a complete and total non-starter, and there might be some areas where they can reach some sort of agreement, but, it, I, I mean, 19% increase in government spending, 800 new state employees, no way. But here's the aspect of, of one of the proposals that I do want to discuss with you because I want to get your reaction to it. Um, under the law, 
every employee who would be covered, which is most employees, have the right, they call it the Family and Medical Leave Act, FLMA. And what it says is that you have the right to take X weeks off, um, a a leave of absence um, for uh, if, if you have a baby or if your wife has a baby or, you know, if there's an illness in your family and, and, you know, extended family. But what FLMA does is it says, okay, you, you have a right to do that, but the employer does not have to pay you for that. You know, you can use, you know, vacation time if, if you get vacation time, but you're, you're not, you don't have to be paid for that. There are many employers across the state who, who do offer some sort of proposal for that. They, as part of their benefit package, have made the decision that it is there in their interest for whatever reason, because they want to retain employees or whatever, it's there in their interest to offer some form of paid family leave. You know, you, we, we're going to get you X, X number of weeks of, of paid maternity leave or, or something like that. But it is something that is a benefit that is extended to the employees, and the employers get the choice of whether they want to do it or not. So Tony Evers wants to change that. Tony Evers wants to spend, well, here's exactly the deal. He wants to spend, the first year alone, about $250 million to fund an effort to pay for mandatory family leave for public and most private workers under Evers plan you would be legally entitled to get 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave benefits by January 1st of 2025 and the taxpayers us would subsidize the funding effort to pay for that beyond that then employees and employers would be required to contribute money into a trust fund administered by the State Department of Workforce Development that would distribute the funding to pay employees when they need to take a leave of absence. They claim the program would be self-sustaining by 2026, meaning by self-sustaining it means that the employers would be required to be contributing X amount of money to pay for it and that employees would contribute as well. So if, for example... I don't know if you're in a position where you're not you don't have kids yourself and you're not going to have kids you would be required to contribute to help pay for the paid um family leave for example of uh, one of your co-workers we're taking a comprehensive approach to paid family leave for workers and employers across our state we're doing what's best for our kids because that's what's best for our state and it's what's best for our families and our workforce Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Now, there's two issues here. First of all, is paid family leave, is that a good benefit? Yeah, it's it's a great benefit. And, And if a private employer feels that it's something that that a benefit that they need to offer in order to attract and retain the employees at once, more power to them. They can include that in any sort of package. But is this something that the government should, first of all, underwrite? Because that's what he's looking to to jumpstart this. He wants to start it, and there's not going to be enough money to pay for it. So he wants the taxpayers to jumpstart this, 
and then he wants the employers to fund this along with contributions from employees. It would be mandatory. No opt-outs, no nothing. So if you didn't want to participate this in this as an employee, for example, you got no choice. You're, you're you're going to get stuck with this. Same with employers. 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. Look, I, the, the debate isn't, is this a nice thing or not? The debate should be, is it the role of government to mandate this benefit and require private employers to offer it? And as a corollary to that, is it the role of the taxpayers to pay for it? 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. This is, as with most of the stuff that was in the Evers budget, it's a non-starter. But I, I want to talk about the, the concept be, behind it. He wants he wants the government, the state, to take about $250 million and use it to put the seed money in for a paid family leave. So in other words, you know, anybody who, any employer would be required to offer an employee, for example, uh, maternity leave or paternity leave for, for 12 weeks, and, and they would be paid for it. Now, ultimately, what would happen is employers would have to contribute to the fund, and employees would as well, similar to the way employers have to pay into unemployment insurance. I have no problem at all with companies that offer paid family medical leave. I, I think that's a very, very nice benefit. But that's a far cry from saying the government coming in and telling a private sector business that you have to offer this this benefit and from saying that the taxpayers should have to pay for this benefit. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Hi. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, my thoughts are uh, it's a great benefit, and companies that are big enough or have enough of a margin to afford this and offer it to their employees, more power to them. But this is actually going to hurt a lot of businesses and uh, drive up the cost of goods and services and uh, actually maybe cause a lot of companies to just uh, say, hey, I'm bailing out on Wisconsin. I can't afford to do this. Well, well, exactly. The government has no place telling them what to do. Yeah, now thanks to call, Mike. Again, it's it's one of these ultimate unfunded mandates. Here, we're going to put this requirement because it can be quite pricey. And and again, I'm not I'm not down on the benefit. I, I think it's a I think it is a wonderful benefit if employers choose to offer it. And it very well may may very well be that from your perspective as an employee that this is a big deal. You know um, that this is it's a it's a big deal. I want to have this paid time off in the time in the case I, I I need it, and that's fine. Maybe then that's one of the things that informs you know who you want to work for, and maybe that's one of the things that when you go out and you interview and you're looking at a different job, you want to go to find an employer. If this is a big deal with you, you want to go find an employer that is offering this as a benefit. No problem with that. I I get it, but this is saying. To all the employers, you are going to be required to offer this benefit, and, and you're not going to have any choice. And then, of course, the other thing is we're also going to take taxpayer dollars, and we're going to use it to seed this. Let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that last caller. It's a great benefit if a company wants to do it. But to do another mandate, obviously, I feel there's too many of those in government already. Um and the cost of this would be exorbitant. When they first came out with the Family Leave Act, I thought, yeah, nice thing. 
you know, the company doesn't have to pay for it. It's the employee's choice if they want to do it. If the employee doesn't want to do it, they want to make the decision, that's fine. But to force that and then to force employees to pay for it in other companies, I just don't think it's a win-win. I, I think it's some people will benefit yeah. and many won't. Well, exactly. No, thanks for the call, Mike. You're, you're, you're right. It is kind of the picking the, the winners and losers. And I'm getting some feedback from people saying, well, I, you're, you're anti-children. I mean, I thought you conservatives are supposed to be pro-family. And so, you know, how, how can you not support this? Well, I, look, again, here's the deal. If this is a if this particular benefit is a big deal for you, then I don't know when, when you're looking for potential employers, you want to look for employers that offer this benefit. I, I get that. Or alternatively, maybe you want to like use your vacation for this. That's an option. But for a lot of employees, in most cases, it's not going to be relevant. They're not going to have kids. So you're essentially subsidizing, in many cases, you know, other people for doing this. And I'm not down on the benefit. Can't say that enough. It's great. It's great. I, I have. I don't even have any. I have no idea. I'm sure we have, like at the company I work for, I'm, I'm sure they have some sort of maternity and paternity leave. I, I don't even know. But it, it's great. It's a benefit that they offer. I work for a great company that offers all sorts of, of benefits. But they make the decision that that is, is what they, that they can do. And they make the decision that in a free market, those are the types of things that they need to offer to attract the type of workforce that they, they want. Great. I'm all in favor of that. I appreciate that, but that's different than the government coming in and saying you have to have it, and you know that's the big deal, Jeff. This is going to mess over um, and make more work for people like me who are not married and probably won't be having kids. Um, yes, Jeff. Why should a 52-year-old man have to help pay for this? Well, I mean, I guess the other argument would be it's. I mean, it, it's not just maternity and paternity leave. It's it's also you know the paid family leave if somebody gets sick and you want to be able to take off to deal with that. The potential for abuse here is also incredibly high. But again, the, the point is, it's first of all, it's not going to happen. So I don't want to spend too much time on this. I, I think there's no very very little support at all for actually getting this through. But it's one of these things that, that sounds nice. And this idea that we're going to spend $250 million to provide the seed money for it. Oh, for goodness sakes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I understand we are in the middle of a snowstorm, but that doesn't mean that we can't think about warmer times ahead. Uh, an update to what we were talking about at the very start of the show. Um, the, the Milwaukee Brewers went to arbitration with Corbin Burns, who is their former Cy Young Award winner. And the, 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 the way it works is that the Brewers have control over Burns for, for two more years, but he has the right to go to arbitration. So what happened is he wanted $10.75 million. The Brewers offered $10.01 million. So the difference is $750,000, which it, that's a lot of money. I get it. But in the scope of what you pay Major League Baseball players, that's essentially the, the minimum salary for one player. So anyhow, the, the Brewers ended up winning. So winning, quote unquote. So Burns is going to be paid $10.01 million. He's... Um, Apparently, it, it did not go well, though. He's out with a statement. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I've got a link to it. He says, 
you kind of find out your true value. You work hard for seven years in the organization, five years with the big league team, and you get in there and basically they value you much different than they thought you contributed to the organization. Honestly, it's tough to hear, tough to take. They're trying to do what they can win the hearing. There's no denying the relationship is definitely hurt from what happened over the last couple weeks. Um, one of the things they said is they basically said that I was the reason why we didn't make the postseason, which I think if they really said that is kind of delusional. But but here's sort of my take, and it goes back to what we were talking about before. And I speak from this perspective as I'm a baseball fan. I mean, I, I, I have a 20-game season ticket package and all, and it really does seem like the Brewers have given up trying to, ser- to sign Burns to a long-term deal and are preparing to trade him in a salary dump sometime in the next two years, like they did with Josh Hader. Um, candidly, they better be working on something to keep Adamus and Woodruff, or there's going to be a fan revolt. Um, one of our one of the people who responded to that said, "Well, you have to understand the Brewers; they, they don't have as much money as some other teams." I understand that, but here here is here's the deal: owning a professional sports franchise is a license to print money. I mean, the, the Brewers made tens of millions of dollars in the various years up to COVID, 2019. Now, COVID's kind of changed stuff, but that, that's not where owners make their money. The Brewers, the, the ownership group, and I, I, I respect the things they've done. They bought the Brewers for $224 million. The estimate is that you could sell the Brewers for $1.25 billion. B as in billion dollars. That's where owners get their payoff. It's when they cash in. So I, I don't. I'm not too sympathetic when people, you know, talk about, oh, we we don't have the money to do this or that or the other thing. No, the the value of the franchise has gone up huge. It's to me the best example is well, you, you've got a you've got a home that you bought for. $200,000 and real estate prices have gone up and it's now in a real desirable area and that home is worth a million dollars. Well, yeah, you, you might have to shell out a few bucks to put a roof on it, but you're still going to get the payout. So I'm, I am not sympathetic to owners of any franchise who, pl- who plead poverty given the fact that the, the value of baseball franchises and football franchises and NBA franchises have increased just like I say, exponentially, uh, the the word is that Mark Lazary, who's one of the co-owners of the Bucks, he he's looking to sell um, the, the Bucks. The purchase was like four hundred forty million. Um, he had a twenty five percent interest. You know, he sells that twenty five percent interest, and my guess is he's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. And I don't begrudge him that, and I certainly don't begrudge the Bucks owners who pay a luxury tax and stuff like that. But that's that's where the payoffs come in. All right. I want to switch gears because there, there's news today that, that might might rock some of you who are used to watching daytime television. One of the, if not the most popular daytime talk shows on TV, particularly with the targeted demographic of adult women, is live with Kelly and Ryan. Kelly Ripa. Ryan Seacrest. The show started years ago when you had um, Regis Philbin. Remember, originally it was Regis Philbin and Kathy Lee Gifford, and then she left the show, and then um, uh, you had uh, Kelly Ripa who came in, 
And then he left the show, and then they brought in Michael Strahan, who's now on Good Morning America, the former football player, and then he left the show, and then they brought in Ryan Seacrest. So it's been Kelly and Ryan for the last six years. It airs in Milwaukee at at 9 o'clock weekday mornings. And the reason I know about this is because my wife is a fan of that. So a lot of times in the morning, you know, we'll be getting ready or having breakfast or something, and that, that will be on. And she's, she is a fan of that. Well, Ryan Seacrest has announced that he is leaving, and apparently it's an amicable parting. But it does kind of I, – I, I've always thought about this. So Ryan Seacrest, who his claim to fame is American Idol – You know, he does American Idol. He does the Dick Clark New Year's Rocking Eve. For the last six years, he's he's been based out of back and forth between the West Coast and the East Coast. Um, When American Idol is taping, that film's in Los Angeles. He flies to the East Coast. He does, you know, every morning he does like the Kelly Live with Kelly and Ryan show. And then apparently he's got this this uh, syndicated radio show that that he then does. It's a four hour, you know, FM radio show on air with Ryan Seacrest. So this guy is, is incredibly busy. And he's just, I suspect he's probably had enough of the bouncing back and forth and things like that. And who knows what else he's going to do. But he has been incredibly successful. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Okay, I I do not begrudge Ryan Seacrest and any of the success that he's had. But having said that, see, there are some people that I, I just don't get their success. Uh, and, I, I mean, I understand Ryan Seacrest, Seacrest was like the MC of American Idol, and I think he, he does a, a fine job with that. But I've just, he's 48 years old, and he's got, the, and I, I don't begrudge him that. I mean, it's just, he's got this incredible success. He's got this successful talk show that he's walking away from, and you've got the successful radio show, and you've got American Idol and all these things. But I've never understood what the appeal of Ryan Seacrest is. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. And by the way, this, this isn't jealousy. It's nothing. It's just that, see, there's, there's some people I understand. Boy, I understand why people are tuning in to see this person or, or, or do those things. I, I get it. I understand it. I've never understood the appeal of Ryan Seacrest. But clearly it is there. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Okay, what is it that makes this show so successful in general? But but what is it about Ryan Seacrest that makes him so sought after doing all these different things? 855-616-1620. Ryan Seacrest fans, enlighten me. Well, I'm giving you a high five. Congratulations. There it is. And we will see you in Hollywood, California. That's uh, that, that's Ryan Seacrest on American Idol. It's one of the sort of infamous moments because he, he was giving somebody a high five. Well, the, the guy was blind. <laughs> um, but I look, I, I don't begrudge that this is not a jealousy sort of thing if, if you're if you're just tuning in, the announcement today was that um, Ryan Seacrest is leaving the daytime talk show uh, 
uh, Kelly and Ryan, which is one of the most popular daytime talk shows uh, around, particularly with adult women. You know, he Ryan Seacrest does the, the New Year's Eve show, the Dick Clark New Year's Eve show. He does American Idol. He flies when American Idol is taping. He flies to New York. They tape that show five days a week. He runs downstairs. He does a four-hour, you know, radio show. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's 48 years old. He is he's ubiquitous. And I, I don't begrudge him his success. I really don't. I just I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't understand it. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I don't get the draw of him either. It, I'm just not getting it. My explanation is that other people's tastes are wired different. I don't have any science to, you know, back this up. Jeff, Ryan Seacrest was in America, Milwaukee in 20, 2009 with the entire American Idol crew on behalf of all downtown surface workers. I can tell you he's by far the nicest of all the principals. I, and that may very well be. You know, he, he does seem like he's this nice guy, but I just... I, I just don't understand where the appeal is is coming from. Jeff, um, let's see. Jeff, I don't understand why he's a star. I can't stand him, and Kelly can join him, in my opinion. Well, I obviously, the show is successful. Um, Jeff, similar to how a lot of pop music is selected by suits who know listeners will grow to like it, maybe Seacrest's popularity is due in part to the initial popularity of American Idol. He grows on fans who are drawn into whatever projects he takes on, like when people watch movies with certain stars in them. That could very, you know, well be. Jeff, I don't get the draw um, either to it. Jeff, my puzzled wonderment to Ryan Seacrest is only surpassed by the Kardashians. You know, I, I when I was thinking about this topic, I was thinking about that as well. Like, sort of, the, the Kardashians are simply famous for being famous. I mean, Ryan Seacrest, at least, I mean, he emcees these things. He's... He, I mean, he, he works all the time. He's incredibly successful. Jeff, I agree. I find Ryan bl- simply blah, blah. Nothing really stands out about him. And I never understood his success either, which I don't begrudge him. I simply don't get it. Yeah, that's my point. I don't begrudge him. I just don't. Don't get it. Jeff, I don't understand it either, but to each his own, I probably puzzle many people with my weird tastes. Um, yes, Jeff, um, I think he also produced the Cardassian show when they were on the E! Network. Yeah, I think that's it. Not a lot, not a lot. And, and see, again, this isn't hostility. A, just, a lot of people just don't understand this. Jeff, I agree. I don't understand the following that somebody like Ryan Seacrest has just like the Kardashians, you know, what What did he ever do? Jeff, what about Dick Clark? Did you not understand his success as well? Well, no, I mean, Dick Clark's success came from, like, American Bandstand and, and things like that and, um, you know, introducing all the different acts and things like that. And, and you know, he, I mean, Dick Clark, in addition to being the personality, Dick Clark was a, a huge mover and shaker in the record industry. Jeff, no offense to your lovely wife, but I honestly don't see the appeal of Ryan Seacrest or Kelly Ripa. I'm truly surprised the show is still around. Well, it's, it's not, you know, that the show is uh, around. Um, it, it's the show is is thriving as well. Jeff, I guess I really don't understand your question. Did you find Regis appealing? Because I absolutely did not. I'm really not a fan of talk shows. I always feel awkward watching them as if they're going to say something stupid. Um, I was never really a fan of Ryan on American Idol, but that's the world we live in. Well, yeah, absolutely it it is. Luck, that's all it could be. I think he's a goof. Well, he's a lucky goof. I, I think part of it is that he is... 
it's it's sort of non-challenging. I mean, I think like the, the service worker who met him in 2009 when they were in Milwaukee says he he seems he's a nice guy. He seems like he's a nice guy. Um, he's and and so maybe you know that's what you need for that type of show. I don't, Jeff. I don't have a clue as to what the attraction is with Ryan Seacrest. I'm with you. I don't get it. Of course, I think the um, same as Kelly Ripa. Jeff, what is it about Michael Strahan? I would say the same thing. Yeah, Michael Strahan. You want to talk about ubiquitous? Michael Strahan works for ABC and he works for Fox. You know, he does all the football games at Fox. Normally, you don't bounce it back and forth between networks. But there he is on the on the Fox thing for the Super Bowl. And then you turn around, and then he's, he's like a co-host of, you know, their flagship show, you know, Good Morning America. It is, it, it's it's just uh, amazing. Jeff, I like Ryan Seacrest because, well, uh, for a lot of different reasons. What can you say? Jeff, first thing is he's extremely handsome. He's eye candy to us ladies. He's intelligent and very charismatic. Jeff, why does Kelly Ripa go through so many co-hosts? Well, I, had my, I mean, he was there for six years. I mean, that that's a long time. Now it'll be interesting because they've also announced the new co-host. The new co-host is going to be her husband, who has filled in before. You know, they were both soap opera stars at one point in time. His name is Mark uh, Consuelos, I think is how you pronounce it. So now uh, it's going to be a husband and wife team. Huh. We'll... we'll We'll see how that works out, you know, daily. Now, he, he's filled in there, and so ABC obviously, or the, the, they obviously figure that, okay, Disney obviously figures that they know what they're doing. I don't know. Watching husbands and wife five days a week, you know, 50 weeks a year, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see that. Jeff, I like him. Wish he was staying. I'd say I'd like to see him stay on the show, and Kelly could go. Jeff, Kelly's husband, he's definitely eye candy. Huh. Jeff, I never understood why the Kelly and Ryan show was popular. I think Ryan is a safe choice, and he doesn't create havoc in Hollywood or New York. Yeah. Jeff, the appeal might be that people are tired of so many controversial celebrities and have to have somebody who's just um, normal without making a political statement. Um, yeah, that's that's it. In any event, if you are a fan of the show at the end of the current season, which would be sometime in, in the spring, He's going to be moving on to other pastures, and it's going to be Kelly and her husband, Mark, from there on in. Presumably be live with Kelly and Mark. We'll see how that works out. It is very apparent that we're not going to get to a lot of the stuff that I really hope to get to on today's show. If you want a head start on some of the things we're talking about tomorrow, I encourage you to follow me on Twitter. It's at JeffWagner620. Got a a link to a couple stories, including... Something that is going on in the airport in Chicago. If you haven't been to O'Hare in a little while, you will be shocked, I think, if you went down there now. And the question is, could that happen in Milwaukee? We're going to talk a little bit about that on tomorrow's program. A couple other things as well. But I, th- there are things that I would not do, but I understand why why some people do them. I mean, I, I, I know people who like to, to bungee jump, right? No way in God's green earth that I would go up and stand on a giant platform with something tied around my ankle and jump off. It, it's just, I, I would never do it. But I understand intellectually why that might be a rush for, for some people. So even though I wouldn't do it, I get it. I could give you other examples, but you get the idea. And then there's stuff that I just flat out 
do not understand at all. Which brings me to current Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. So everybody knows there's a story about how he's going to be going into this this darkness retreat. And actually, the Journal Sentinel had had a pretty good story about what what this is that he is going to be doing. Let me share a portion of this with you. Story says, what is a to- what is a darkness isolation retreat? A darkness retreat is a total isolation experience, often in a secluded location where you are in complete darkness for a select number of days. Rogers will spend four days in a one-room house at an unannounced location. No phones, no TV, no books, no music, pitch dark in complete silence. It's about sensory deprivation, Roger said. There is a toilet in the middle of the room and a bathtub in his room. Let me just stop there. If you're in total darkness, I'm not exactly sure how it is that you, you exactly use that, but you're in this room that's got, like, nothing in it. There's a toilet in the middle of the room, and there's a bathtub in the room. Okay, what what does that sound like? And, you know, if you're... First guess is prison. Well, you're, you're right. I mean, that's it. You, like you got this little like solitary confinement cell, and you've got the metal toilet, and you've got like the uh, the, the small sink. Okay, so toilet in the middle of the room, bathtub in the room. Food will be delivered to him through a slot in the door once a day. A darkness retreat in Guatemala, this, I don't know where he's going, a darkness retreat in Guatemala called the Hermitage can cost between 840 and $2,000 a day, depending on the number of days. So let me stop again. So you're going to, let, let's take the middle price. You're going to shell out 1400 bucks a day to, to sit in a dark room with a toilet in the middle of the room and a bathtub, sink, whatever, and have food slipped through a slot once once a day. And you're going to pay 1400 bucks a day for that. Right, the story continues. Um, at this place in Guatemala, no one speaks to the users unless necessary and support is given. Dark retreat is a practice open to those who are called to dive deeply within themselves and rest in undisturbed meditation for many hours a day for multiple days. The door is locked from the inside, and participants can leave if they desire. Uh, Sky Cave Resorts, located in a secluded spot in the wilderness of Oregon, offers cabins and cottages built into the hillside and buried in the earth. The site has self-contained off-grid system to power ventilation fans, propane hot water heater and lights. It's occasionally used during the integration process, but the land is off the grid. The cabins are soundproof, and there is a bell inside the dark rooms for anyone who wants to leave. i got to tell you, I'd be banging that bell after about 15 minutes. 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. And again, I'm, I'm not being judgmental. I'm really not. And I never tell people how they can spend their, their money. But just like Ryan Seacrest, just like the jitterbug, this plum evades me. It... <laughs> I just, I mean, can I understand, you know, you wanting to kind of kick back and, and just kind of chill out? Yeah. 
but paying a boatload of money to go sit in a dark room for four days, get your meals through a slot, and have a toilet in the, the center of it. I'm sorry, this one has absolutely no appeal to me. And my wife doesn't need to worry that if I ever go in and say, honey, I've got an idea for vacations. We're going to go to some retreat in Guatemala, and you'll be in one room, and I'll be in the other. Don't worry. That's never going to come out of my lips. 855-616-1620. Do you get this? And I guess that's the only best way I can ask this question. Do you get this? Because, frankly, I don't. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Jeff, you say you would last 15 minutes. I'd last about seven minutes. On second thought, three, three minutes. Yeah, I, I, you, once you put me in that dark room, you shut the door. There's a toilet in the middle that maybe I'll be able to find, and there's like a sink or something in the corner, and they're talking about slipping the food through a, a slot in the door. I'm banging that bell. Get me out of there. Jeff, are we sure this is true? Nobody knows the location. How can we verify it? Well, with all due respect, he wouldn't be talking about doing this if he didn't plan to do it. Jeff, this would basically be hell on earth for an extrovert like me. I could maybe see being a little cabin out in the middle of nowhere with no phone or TV, but that's it. I want to go for walks or read and just chill and think. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see. I understand, you know, you, you take your, you know, actress, model, girlfriend or something and you go hang out in Hawaii. I get, I understand that, but I'd like to go to a, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I can I can contemplate my life sitting around the, the pool and then going out to a nice restaurant for dinner. Um, eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, I I say we reach out to Bill Walton and get his insight. That's pretty funny, Jeff. Two days of Taco Bell food. I bet he'd leave. Um, Yes, um, Jeff, if Rogers is paying big money for voluntary, solitary confinement, he's done us all a favor um, and somehow nullified any argument that such conditions for notorious prisoners is somehow inhumane. Um, yes, Jeff, after the first night, they're going to come out of the room, make a decision if you're going back in or not. Yeah, I think that that's, um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Jeff, it shows me there are some people who have too much money on their hands and are truly missing something. Well, again, I... You know, um, Jeff, he marches to a different drummer, and it seems a bit weird, but it is harmless to others, so who cares? I, I get it. I, th- This is not me being judgmental. It's me saying, I don't understand this, because in the scheme of things, like I was saying at the start of the segment, there are things that I wouldn't do, but I understand why why people would do them. My example is bungee jumping. I, I've got others. I, I understand why people would do it, but going into... Traveling into the middle of nowhere, whether it's Guatemala, Oregon, or wherever, and paying enormous amounts of money to sit in an empty, dark room, well, I I do it at home, if nothing else. Draw the blinds, and then at least you can get out there. 855-616-1620. Jeff, the trip is confirmed. He's staying at my house. Michelle in Appleton says, it sounds like pure um, torture. I'm starting to wonder if he's been hit in the head too many times. But seriously, this kind of meditation really can't be good for the soul seclusion is not good for anyone in that extreme i don't know I, i'm getting texts from some other people who are saying no, no that actually that while this is an extreme version of it they, they go on these retreats where there's a degree of meditation and stuff i understand that art downtown art you're on wtmj good afternoon hi jeff you know hi, um aaron rogers hi aaron rogers spends about an hour every week on the pat McAvee show where he really gives you a lot of insight into 
the man, Aaron Rodgers, that you don't get through the Wednesday press conference that he does and you get your one or two sentence soundbite from the, the mainstream media. So if you want to know Aaron Rodgers a little bit more, watch Pat McAfee and you'll learn more about this retreat, if you will, this meditation retreat that he's gone on. And let's face it, he said that before the Super Bowl, it wasn't fair to the people that were playing the Super Bowl to have any focus on Aaron Rodgers. And now that the Super Bowl is behind us, right, he said, I want to get away for four days where, and I'm telling everybody, no one can find me. (laughs) No one's going to find me. My phone's not going to be blowing up. And while all the focus is on what I'm going to do, it gives me time to just get off the grid. And um, is it exactly how it's being portrayed? Probably not. But, you know, that's Aaron Rodgers. And um, it's amazing that how much focus is put on the man. And this is his way of just getting away from everybody. Well, Art, I, I appreciate that, and I, I understand wanting to get away from everybody. Thanks for the call. I mean, I, I, I get all that. I'm, my only point is this sounds like a really odd way to do that. There's all sorts of ways. And, and again, if, if Aaron Rodgers wants to do that, go with God. That That's okay. I'm just saying I think this, from my perspective, I do not understand it. Do I understand, you know, wanting to get away and decompress? A- absolutely. But this idea that you're going to go into the middle of nowhere and you're going to be in this, like, darkened room where they slip food through a slot in the door, I'm sorry, that's just not my idea of of getting away from it all. I can understand turning off your cell phone, but I'm telling you, I don't know, give me the green parrot in in Key West, you know, give, give me that, give me... Give me, you know, one of the less secluded islands in Hawaii. I can. There's all sorts of ways that I can go and, and kind of get off the grid and decompress without necessarily being by myself in a darkened room for hours. I'd, I'd miss people too much, and I'm perfectly capable of, I don't know, I can meditate over that cold beer, just saying. All right, that is it. But Aaron Rodgers, go with God. Go with God. It's just, I think it's just an odd thing, but that is perhaps just me.